0: Or listening to City Church Long Beach Sermons Podcast. You can visit us at citychurchlongbeach.org.
1: I'm one of the co-pastors here at City Church of Long Beach, where we are a radically welcoming community on the journey towards Jesus, joining Him in the renewal of all things. And we get to do it together, which is so great. Um, we love to pray over our kiddos. We just think kids are pretty awesome and so I'd like to invite Charmaine Sumner up if you would welcome Charmaine as she ooh, prays over our kiddos.
2: Charmaine. Let's pray. Um, dear God, thanks so much for our kids. Thank you that they bring us so much joy as they go to Kidsmen today. May you just bless their time and may they know how much you love them
1: and yeah, may they just have fun in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Charmaine. So if you're a kiddo and you want to go hang out with some of the awesome staff and get some snacks and play some games, you can go with Charmaine and the others. And if you would welcome up our fearless co-pastor, Brenna Rubio. <laughs> she loves it when I do that. So
2: Yes, it's my favorite. That
1: She loves that. She has always loved that. Um, we are in a sermon series right now where we're looking at uh, faith in five scenes. Kind of the, the big picture of how the Bible communicates. This is the story we're a part of. And last week we talked about beauty uh, being the beginning of the story. Mm-hmm. And then there's this week. Um, I wanted to start with a little uh, a, a little confession of my own, a little story perhaps. Um, so a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, now I'm probably um, I was taking a walk with, with Katie, with my wife, and we, we tend to, I'm a big walker, and we tend to have a lot of our best conversations when we're, when we're walking, or at least a lot of things come out when we're walking, I should say. Um, and so we're, we're taking a, a walk, and just as we get out the door, she points out very kind of, um, very even, like, oh, hey, oh, there's a weed. And I respond saying, what are you saying? You want to do all the yard work now? <laughs> what are you laughing at?
2: Oh, well, it was just so clearly appropriate. It made me laugh. Yeah.
1: All right, perhaps it was a slightly disproportionate <laughs> response um, to her observation. And uh, my wife graciously um, ignored the comment for the, for the time being uh in in sure the the best sense of preserving some marital peace Uh, but we have this bad habit on date night which is every week we ask this question which i don't like Um, it's this question which is are there any conflicts that we've had this week that we haven't talked about it doesn't go well for me it, never, it just doesn't go well for me. And so my wife very graciously brings up, she says, Well, you know, I, it seems like you were a little angry this week. I'm like, Me? Like, <laughs> I don't, I don't, like, I actually did say this. I said, Help me understand that more. Can you think of some examples or, you know, help me understand how I'm coming across? And she says, There were more than one. Uh, <laughs> But she started off with the with the the weed, and uh there's a sense in which right that it, I hadn't noticed that I was being angry and critical of my wife and judgmental and like dumping on her. yeah, I just hadn't noticed. Um, perhaps some of you have this issue as well, and so because she graciously brought it up the first. And she graciously ignored it the first time and then graciously brought it up to bring some clarity on our date night, we ended up having a conversation, which was a very good conversation. And I got to say, uh, yes, yes, I'm angry at you. Thank you for helping me notice that. And I'm saying inappropriate things and being indirect and using sarcasm. Yes. And then we got to share like, why is that and i realized that i was mad because she'd been working a lot so she works up on skid row and in the medical community and her job's essentially impossible right the way that our structures have set up the world like you cannot properly care for those without insurance and for people who live on the street it's not possible and so she feels very compelled by this calling to care for these folks and on the rarest occasions, honey, um, sometimes it can inspire her to sacrifice more than what is even appropriate. And when that is the case, very rarely, I'm sure, hon, um, it seems like I'm on the losing end of the bargain. And so instead of doing the mature thing and bringing that up, I make snide comments about the art. This is what we're talking about today. All of this. This sense that we're broken. I'm broken. You're broken. Our systems are broken. It's a mess. And what do we do with that? How do we restore relationships? How do we... uh, Stay connected to God, to ourselves, others, and the world. So we're we're going to try to sort through some of that today, yeah.
2: So I just, because I'm wondering if anybody else is seeing this. So are you and Katie going to end up fighting after church about this? <laughs> or, you know, was this all, you knew what you were sharing and, and Oh, no, you know.
1: she, she knew. She okay, knew, she just in
2: case anybody else was wondering and worrying, like, yes. Bill's going to be in trouble.
1: No, 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 no. We okay. we actually I processed this with her earlier okay. today and let her, yeah. yeah. Asked, asked her permission if <laughs> this would be appropriate. She said, What do you want to say? I said that she's like, uh oh. it was a dandelion and not just a weed. <laughs>
2: For Zoom, Katie just wanted to clarify it was a dandelion, not just a weed.
1: Which kind of feeds into the issue because a dandelion <laughs> is a weed. <laughs> But we'll work that out later.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just, you know. Yeah.
1: Thanks for stirring it up. That was really helpful. <laughs> yeah. Now we are going to I find out. I just didn't want
2: everybody else distracted yeah. during the service, yeah, no, wondering yeah. if Bill and Katie are okay.
1: Yeah. Now yeah. we are. Now we are. So, fine. Um, so I would like to invite our friend Esther Death up, who's going to read scripture for us. If you would welcome Esther. Uh, oh, no, should, it's you. You read it. Okay. So actually, why don't we stand? If you're on Zoom, you don't have to stand. You can if you want to stand on your bed or whatever. That's fine. But Esther's going to read the scripture for us today.
2: Woe to those who make unjust laws, to those who issue oppressive decrees, to deprive the poor of their rights and withhold justice from the oppressed of my people, making widows their prey
1: and robbing the fatherless. Isaiah 10, through 2 People of God, this is the word of God.
2: Thanks be to God. You may
1: be seated. Thank you, Thanks, Esther.
2: Esther. <laughs> I'm really glad that we're starting with some laughter. Um, because I do feel like so often when in churches we talk about this part of the story, when we move from beauty to brokenness, it can start feeling really heavy. And people sometimes can start having this feeling of like, Ugh, like guilt and shame and the, the sense that that's what you're being invited to feel this morning. And I just want to be totally clear, like, it's not. All we want to do together today is we want to start naming some realities. Because, I don't know about you, I actually feel better. I feel more like yes this is a safe place i'm amongst safe people when we can admit to the same realities we're not trying to cover things up we're not trying to make things worse than they are we're just saying yes this this is the world this is what's happening around us and inside of us so the scripture that esther just read for us from the book of isaiah what isaiah is talking about here are systems. Systems that should be for the well-being of peoples and communities, that should be for flourishing, should be about goodness and justice, and instead that these systems have been twisted and built to do injustice to others. And he is talking about public systems, legal systems, legal rights. And for some of you, if you've spent some time in churches, uh, it may be that you have been taught before that the public systems, politics, discussions about rights, those aren't faith conversations. Faith conversations are about what we do personally. It's our personal morality. It's our, it's us and God me and God right but passages like this are all over the Bible these questions of communities and systems and how we actually treat each other and how we we covenant together to do life together it's not just about the individual just like people can sin people can can mess up communities can mess up it can be built in baked in to the system itself so last last week when we were talking about beauty one of the words that came up is one that stephen and sarah were singing for us over and over again this morning and letting us sing along that word shalom right we were created for a beauty that it really, is really encapsulated in the word shalom. That we are, we're meant to be held in a web of forceful goodness. A web of amazing, loving, kind, just relationships. Relationships between each other. Relationships with God. Relationships with nature itself. Which we're remembering yesterday on Earth Day. But... We look around all the time and reality hits us in the face, right? So many of these relationships are broken and brokenness is not always just about what we're doing. Sometimes it's about what the system is doing to us. The system, others involved in those systems. Because there are systems out there that are are built to do good to a few and to do harm to many. There's a poem uh, that I've, I've read before, but it, it came across my feed again this week and oh, it was just so good and so timely, not just for the sermon, but just for, for life and the news and everything that we're, I mean, it's, it's nonstop. Every week we could get up here, right? And we could talk about homophobia and transphobia, we could talk about racism and anti blackness and The poem is called tired by Langston Hughes and just invite you, you could read along or maybe you want to shut your eyes and just listen. I am so tired of waiting aren't you for the world to become good and beautiful and kind, let us take a knife and cut the world in two, and see what worms are eating at the rind." I feel like we just have that question. What is it? What are the worms eating at the rind? We know (laughs) that things are not as they were meant to be. There's what we were created for, this incredible shalom goodness, and there's what we actually experience. I was thinking this morning about the about racism as a particular example of that, right? Because again, it it's constant. It's all around us. It's the air we breathe so that we actually have to keep reminding ourselves that no, this is not the way it's meant to be just because We're so used to it, doesn't make it right. So our friend Liz Roy sharing her story last week about reclaiming her sense, her awareness, her her belief in her own goodness and beauty as a black woman when she'd internalized so much anti-blackness from the very beginning, right? Right? harm had been done to her. Brokenness was a reality in her life, not because of a choice that she'd ever made, but because there were systems that she had to, she had to exist in and eventually learned to push back against, eventually found healing and freedom from. But those systems are all around us, aren't they? From redlining and the inequities in the housing market that then affects whole communities and access to resources. The schools that our kids go to and the school to prison pipeline that so many of our kids experience. I remember sitting recently with a friend who was talking about her children's schooling experiences and the struggle she was currently having because she had sent two of her white children to a particular school and they'd had an amazing experience Oh, it was so good. And then she sent her black son. And it was awful. And it was heartbreaking. To see and experience the differences. With how. Her black boy was treated in the same school by the same teachers. But you know racism doesn't just hurt us. Systems of oppression don't just hurt us when we are in the oppressed. It actually hurts the oppressors too. Racism is actually bad for those of us who are white or white adjacent as well. And of course, there's the spiritual aspect of that, which I'm, you know, as a pastor, of course you expect me to talk about that, right? And, and I, I really believe it. Racism hurts our souls. This water that we've always swum in, right? And the ways that we are complicit to such evil systems and don't even realize that even as we have been taught anti-blackness, that that's corrupted not only how we look at all of our neighbors, but it's corrupted how we look at ourselves as well. It's not good for our souls, but it's not good for us as just people in community because it distracts us and it divides us when we could be working together to solve so many problems. Um, There's a Martin Luther King Jr. quote um, that is, I feel, cited much less often than some of the others, maybe a little bit more on the nose, because he was talking about the systems of power and how they get manipulated. So he was talking especially about the Reconstruction Era and Jim Crow laws, which were those laws that really set in place all the segregation that was experienced for so long after the Civil War, and well, until pretty recently, right? So he said, it may be said of the Reconstruction era that the Southern aristocracy, the people with money, the people with power, they took the world and they gave the poor white man, Jim Crow. And when his wrinkled stomach cried out for the food that his empty pockets could not provide, he ate. Jim Crow, a psychological bird that told him no matter how bad off he was, at least he was a white man better than the black man. It's a trick. These systems and hierarchies and institutions of power and injustice that benefit very few of us, even in the practical sense, and they hurt all of us in the spiritual sense. But healing's hard, it's uncomfortable because it means we have to be honest about what's happened. It means we have to expose and admit the injury, admit that we're broken, that it's hard. Admit when we feel angry, admit when we feel uncomfortable because a racist, thought, or bias, that we didn't even know that we held, comes up for us. Oh, yeah, that's the water that I was swimming in. Austin Channing Brown, who wrote a really wonderful autobiographical book, I'm Still Here, Black Dignity in a World Made for Whiteness, says this our only chance at dismantling racial injustice is being more curious about its origins than we are worried about our comfort it's not a comfortable conversation for any of us it's risky and messy it's haunting work to recall the sins of our past but is this not the work we've been called to anyway is this not the work of the holy spirit to illuminate truth and inspire transformation it's haunting but it's also Holy. It's really, it's the only way to wholeness, right? It's the only way to move from brokenness to healing is to become aware and honest and even confessing it out loud. Our friend Shauna Snow is going to come up and read another piece of scripture for us. Um, but you all can stay seated wherever you are. Sean is just going to come read.
1: This is sort of like a sermon in two parts. Right? <laughs> so it's part A, part B. Come on up, come on up. Here you go. You're standing in the middle, so people can see you. Because Zoom, you know, this say hi to Zoom people. Hi Zoom people. Hey, there you go. <laughs> there you go.
2: My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of all living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. Jeremiah two thirteen. People of God, this is the word of God.
1: Thanks, Shauna. So the the brokenness that follows beauty, there, there are two kinds. There's this social, systematic, structural, and there's this personal, individual, internal. Right? So we just heard this big picture like the world is seriously messed up. And now we get to talk about we are seriously messed up, <laughs> right? It's, it's a both and situation. Um, and some churches will talk about one and some churches will talk about the other. Uh, it, it seems like the scriptures talk about both, right? So the Isaiah passage, you know, hey, these unjust laws and you're not caring for the poor and the widows. And this Jeremiah passage says, hold on, let's look what's going on in your heart here. Right. And Jeremiah goes on to do plenty of the, the other structural system, systemic stuff. And Isaiah goes on to do a lot of the personal stuff. I mean, there's always this ebb and flow back and forth between the Mm -hmm. two. But we want to focus for a second now on this idea that we individually are broken and what we do with that. Um, The way that Jeremiah kind of paints this picture... Um, And he's, he kind of had, he loves this image. This is a big image in his book. If you read the book of Jeremiah, it's the image of the cistern. A cistern is an, um, it's like an underground barrel. It's made out of clay and it could be, it could be 500 gallons big, right? And so during the rainy season, you would collect water in these underground cisterns. And then in the dry season, you'd be able to drink out of them, right? So it's like Mm -hmm. storage water. and he's talking about these, these cisterns, and what, what he says is, he says, when it comes to our individual brokenness, the problem is twofold. Number one is, they have this is what it says in Jeremiah 2.13, they have forsaken me, God speaking, the spring of living water. God says, look, I'm not like some, some canister underground. I'm like a living stream, a, a flowing stream. It's the same word that, that Jesus uses. Uh, he he translates, he, he's speaking in Aramaic or Greek. Uh, this would be in Hebrew, but it's, it's this idea of, of flowing water. He says, I am water of life, or I am, like, come to me and you'll receive living water, flowing water. And it's this invitation to, for God to meet your deepest needs. So what Jeremiah is saying is you've given up on that, and instead you've dug your own hole and so you've done your own, your own cisterns, broken cisterns that can't hold water. Like you've got a bunch of holes in them. Like it, it, even if they were whole, they wouldn't be as good because it'd be stale. But they're all leaky and muddy and dirty and you got worms in it. And this, this is our issue, right? The, the issue is when it comes to our personal sin is we, we turn away from God and say, I got this. But the, I got this, is problematic because we don't got it. (laughs) So to circle back to an earlier conversation about a certain weed. (laughs) uh, (laughs) Oh, man. Weed, dandelion. Yeah, I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry, about a dandelion. Um, So when we took that initial walk, what happens is this. So if, if, you, if you do the autopsy on that, when I make the snide remark to my wife, about, well, do you want to do all the gardening now? You want to do all the yard work? What, what's happening in that scenario is this. I'm literally, and it's, it's hard to see, but this is how the, that internal brokenness works. I'm literally turning away from God and i'm building my own broken cisterns so i'm turning away from god i'm forsaking the living water because the truth is god has showered me on all this love and blessing that when my wife says that about the dandelion maybe she's just pointing out the dandelion and if i have if i'm centered and know i'm loved i'm connected with god myself with the world like yeah oh wow yeah there's a dandelion like i'm i i am i am connected with god but when i Cut off that connection. When I give in to my anxiety, when there is this underlying anger, this irritation that's building to anger, criticism, judgment, all this stuff because of whatever, then I turn and I'm like, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to show her, like, you're in the wrong. Totally randomly in a way that she could never pick up that I'm actually talking about her job. (laughs) <laughs> when I'm when I'm actually talking about a dandelion. Crazy, right? It's this broken cistern. It doesn't hold water. But if I were at a spot where I'm like, man, I'm deeply connected to God, I could still be angry. I could recognize the, the irritation and go, oh, yeah, it's a dandelion. You know, that brings up something for me, honey. I'm finding in myself a lot of like inner resistance and even anger, and I'm wondering what that is. Could we explore that for a minute? And she would say, oh, yeah, yeah, let's talk about that. And i said, say, oh, you know I, you know what? I, I'm finding myself really mad with you. And all you did was point out a dandelion. Like, what, wow, what is going on with me? And she would probably have the self-awareness to say something like, I wonder if it's because I worked a lot of hours this week, and you're feeling kind of lonely. And then i'm just putty <laughs> you know but instead that's not what i do right that's not what we do this is what typically what the bible in, calls individual sin but this is not to shame you or to shame me this is just to wreck it's an expose this is how it works i disconnect from being the beloved experiencing god and i try to fix it myself and i just make more of a mess mm. Whereas I could have explored more of an invitation into like, why do I feel what's going on for me? All this stuff. And that's the invitation for each of us is to look at ourselves and to to try to make sense. Like where where is it that the systems of this world are just beating you down? And you're just, ah, you don't have... You don't have any margin left to love in relationship or to do what, and that's really what's going on. And where is it that that you've disconnected from God, Mm -hmm. yourself? And you're making some individual choices about how to react. And oftentimes the two interconnect, right? Like even in our story, there's some interconnection there. And we're invited to recognize that the beauty that God designed gets messed up by our brokenness. That's a part of the story. What if we're honest and we own it? It's how we grow, that's how we grow. So I was thinking a little bit about this and thinking about today and and I thought, you know, I wanna think about somebody who's demonstrated how their awareness of their own brokenness has helped them grow. And it'd be helpful for us to hear that story. So if you'd welcome up Denya Bradshaw. Denya, come on down.
0: Woo-hoo.
1: A very, that, this is like, sometimes it's a little bit easier to share on stage, but like when you have to go up and like talk about brokenness, like <laughs> <laughs> lucky you. <laughs> But you're not any messier than I am, right? Or so.
2: anyone else here, yes? Right. Yes.
1: But literally the reason why I thought about Denya is because you've been on this great journey. And it really is, it really is a great journey. <laughs> and that your awareness of, of your brokenness has allowed you to just grow so much. So anyway, so tell us a little bit. How long have you been around City Church? Because you're like an old timer now. <laughs> <laughs> Use the mic. Yeah, tell us. Hi, City Church. Good morning. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
0: I think second week of July. I mean, sorry, July. What the hell? Oh,
1: sorry, sorry. January. (laughs) Second week of January. (laughs) There there you go. Second week of January. Okay, so she's been here a long time like four months, three months. I
0: I had brunch with um, Charmaine who I've known since middle school and um, I was telling her I was really frustrated with this church I was going to in Long Beach I won't say which one. And i'm like I don't know if this is the place for me, but I have a friend there i'm too scared to go to other places alone and she's like come to mine and.
1: Now i'm here here you are (laughs) here you are yeah so. Tell us a little bit about your religious, spiritual background, and maybe like how does like growing up and stuff, and how does that connect with this whole idea of brokenness? Like, did you have some experiences around that? And I don't know how it's all going to relate, but somehow it will. I'm sure.
0: Okay, I might I might need a, a yeah. recap of what you just said, but um, uh, so I grew up definitely believing in God. Um, my mom is Catholic. My dad would go to Bible studies. Um, My mom would take me and I have two younger brothers. One's about a year younger and one is like nine years younger. But me and the one that's like about a year younger, she would, (laughs) I think my dad knew, but behind his back, take us to like Catholic school stuff. And it just did not resonate with me. It felt so forced. We'd go to the Catholic church. It just felt, it just, just didn't. What was the disconnection for you? Do you know? I think... And and maybe this is the rebellious spirit in me is like, don't tell me what to do. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Yeah, (laughs) Um, yeah. Yeah. uh, I gotta figure it out myself, which Mm. is where I'm at, which is where I'm I'm grappling with nowadays. But um, I, I did go to a Christian church for a couple years after high school. But at some point I realized that wasn't right for me either. It was a little too. There were uh, there were a lot of people in there that were very judgmental, and um, that didn't sit well with me. Mm. Um, And I think my eyes opened my eyes were very peeled because my youngest brother, the one that's like about 9 years younger than me. He he was in special Ed. and um, I saw how. I mean, I could go on about this a lot. I, I, I studied music in college, and a lot of that has to do with my dad. But um, I ended up getting my doctorate in education and writing a dissertation on hidden disabilities and education and mm-hmm. all those talking about systems of oppression and things mm-hmm. like that, and a, a bunch of different frameworks like intersectionality and discret and critical mm-hmm. race theory and all this stuff. Anyway, the point is, I saw how. Um, I just saw the mistreatment of him, and just like that church, is like like no, we can't be judgy. We we there's a lot of gray area here, and um, I kind of I kind of like sidelined there, like yeah. woo, sorry.
1: <laughs> Took a decade off or so. Yeah, yeah.
0: sorry. Yeah,
1: no, i so. Good. So that's...
0: what was the second no, no, no. part? To well, that I think question?
1: so. So this <laughs> idea of like, so say you, you have some experience of like some of these structures and systems, mm. but then in terms of your own personal life. Like, have there been moments where you've realized, oh, I'm, I'm disconnecting from God. I'm trying to do this myself and I'm actually making a mess.
0: Oh yeah, Um, yeah, for a long time there, I was uh, very proud of myself for just kind of being independent and being able to do things on my own and um, I just kind (sighs) of, I called myself agnostic for a long time. I'm like, something's out there. I don't know what it is, but I'm not going to seek it. I just know it's out there. and i i definitely got humbled by a lot of experiences um thinking i could do it on my own thinking i could have people help not even help me like give me the answer like how you, you know whatever and and it's like that's not i'm i'm not meant to do this alone i'm not even by myself i'm not meant to do it by myself um and i think and in a lot of ways, I don't want to say things happen, so I can come back to God, but I think in a lot of ways, they had to happen, so I could come back to God. and mm-hmm. it kind of sucks. but i'm I'm just so humbled and and grateful. and
1: um, it's, what, what 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 has humbled you? Like I, like I mean, I don't know if there's an experience or if there's a category of experience that
0: i I, I think um, I don't know whether to call it I have a hard time calling it. The um, Satan or the devil, like to me, I'm like that makes me think Catholic Church. Sorry, I have I have some trauma there. But um, the enemy, the accuser, the negativity, the darkness, like I, I feel like I've been attacked for like the last seven years or longer. Um, and I like in I,
1: your like mentally,
0: mentally things happening, and um, I I oh, gosh, it's just driven me to to brokenness. Mm. To, to complete brokenness I just I knew I couldn't do it on my own anymore, I knew I couldn't count on others to do it for me, I just knew I had to turn to God there's just one morning, I want to say like, I think it was like in October of 22 where I was just like. Why am I here like do I deserve all these things like mm. why like why am I still alive, I should have I should have died already kind of thing I had dreams of dying um, and i'm like. Why are you keeping me alive? <laughs> and then things started again. Eyes open. I'm listening. And, and he was just planting people in my life. And, and it, they're not coincidences. <laughs> yeah. No way. Wow. Wow. No way. No, uh-uh.
1: Yeah. Um, do you, we've been in these short little interviews, sometimes we ask if people have a question they want to ask us. Or uh, you know, I don't know if there's anything that you want to ask me or Brenna. Uh, He's he's
2: hoping that you're turning towards me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and Brenna would love to. (laughs)
0: Um, I guess I didn't plan a question. I had a few in mind, but um, I'm curious. Like, I don't know. Like someone like me or someone else that's gone through something similar or worse or not as worse or whatever just living life as a human in this broken fallen world yeah. how do you i don't know how do you encourage them and bring them to god without like pushing them away cuz i yeah cuz i got pushed away a lot i was like okay you're getting a little come on now yeah. mm-hmm. you know what i mean like mm-hmm. i don't
1: know Did yeah. I give you the
0: mic now Oh no!
1: You got your yeah.
0: own
1: mics. Okay. We got ours. No, no. We're good. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean I think it. I I feel like it's a it's sort of a delicate balance, right? Because I want to sit with people in their grief and their, you know, I who, you know, I, I was talking with a person this morning who's struggling with a family member with suicidal ideation and ma- major depression, and like, like how do you just sit in the brokenness and like, yes, that's there. And then, how do you say God actually wants to meet with you in it? Because I don't want to, I don't want to like quick and try to fix. And in some ways, it's like, like they said this morning on, on this phone call like, this moment has just been amazing for our family. Like, some amazing things have happened, right? And I think about a little bit, you know, and there are a lot more details to your story, but that's so many of the things that have happened to you of like, you have come alive. You've found friends, you found community, you found God, you're doing some self-healing and all kinds of other work that's amazing. So I don't want to discount that. And at the same time, I want to say, like, hey, you can do better. And there is a way to um, live in healthier and, and healthier self-talk and healthier, you know, how we manage our time and our life and our you know, what we put in our bodies and things like this. Like, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure I, I mean, it's, it's a dance. Were you going to say, do you want to add anything to that?
2: Yeah. I was just thinking, I don't know how well I do this because I think I have a little bit of a bossy streak. So some of you have been around me and you're like, Brenna, you didn't do this with me. I'm I'm sorry. Um, (laughs) But I think in my ideal place or like how I think about it, it's like, when you sit with a therapist, who Bill and I are not therapists, but like a therapist doesn't fix you, right? A therapist doesn't um, tell you all the right answers. A therapist gives you like a safe place to go on the journey and asks you good questions to help you figure out like what's going on inside you. Because I think that's probably what we can do for each other, right? And not even just Bill and I, right? But all of us can do for each other is to give that safe space, to be honest, and like surface what's actually there, which sometimes is the brokenness. And sometimes is the like, where we're already hearing God, where God is already giving us like wisdom, or God is already saying like, man, you're awesome, right? Already bringing out that beauty and encouragement. And so I think sometimes it's like surfacing Helping us surface or providing a space for us to surface what we already know, but maybe it's scary to admit it out loud. That was deep.
0: Like I said, I'm sorry for those of you who've just gotten my bossy side. <laughs> Can I just add one thing? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yes. So one of my thing in my journey, and this is—it's so funny because me trying to figure it out on my own. It's just my constant reminder daily is like less of me, more of. God. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Just less of me. Do mm. mm. you thank God for Denia for sharing with us today? Thank you so much. I'm so great. You <laughs> did so good. Yeah, awesome. you give a hug. You're awesome. <laughs> thank you.
2: you too. Oh, so vulnerable. Oh, thank you. Um, I imagine so many of you could find yourself in Denia's story, right, of just... Trying to figure this whole thing out and sort of wanting to do it on our own and sort of wishing there's somebody who would just be out there and fix us. Sometimes I want that magic eight ball that'll just tell me the answers. Um, And then ultimately having this something inside of us that tells us, I think, I think I might need something even bigger than that. I might even need someone even bigger than that. In Jesus' first sermon ever, he lays out this big vision, his mission, his reason for why he was there, for his life, his ministry, and he reads from the book of Isaiah, and he finishes by saying, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And Here's one small piece of that first sermon. You have sent me to bind up the broken heart hearted. From the very beginning, it's right there. This is part of what it means to be in relationship with Jesus, to be on that Jesus word journey. It's Jesus caring about our broken hearts, caring about the damage that we've experienced from people and from systems, and the damage that we've inflicted and we've been part of. It's not about guilt. It's not about shame. It's not about telling you that you're a worm. It's about saying there's a vision for your wholeness, your healing, your flourishing, the flourishing of the whole world. I'd like to end with just this final quote uh, by Barbara Schroyer. We are not born innocent since we're born into a conflicted world. But we're not born sinful, either. We're born human. And within us lies the potential for both creation and destruction, both blessing and curse. To be human is to be capable of both incredible good and terrifying evil. If we deny either side of that potential, we're living unaware. We're praying together that we can live into awareness, honesty, and healing. Our friend Israel Rubio is going to come up and pray for us.